Hello, podcaster. It's Charlie here, bringing you another episode of The Business of Podcasting. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest, Angela Henderson. Now, this conversation with Angela is really interesting and something that I think will really help business owners who are looking to use their podcast as a conversion tool. Now, what I loved about this conversation with Angela is she really focuses on playing the long game with podcasting. This isn't something she's trying to put together as a quick fix. This is something she's looking to make a long-term part of her strategy in her business. Now, in this actual podcast, we're going to learn about how Angela's using her podcast to attract the right type of clients, how she's using it as a filter to make sure the people she wants to work with are actually the ones she does work with and perhaps kind of repelling or pushing away people that may not understand her point of view. We then go into how she's taking people from her podcast into working with her business. Now, particularly what I found interesting on that is the use of a Facebook group and how those two elements work together, the Facebook group and the podcast, and then also how her website works with things because how her traffic actually converts is people come onto her website, they get on her email list, and then she makes it all work together in one fantastic machine. Now, if you aren't already, I would encourage you to subscribe to the Business of Podcasting so you can keep getting more episodes like this, and please make sure to share it with other podcasters because we want to help them succeed in having a podcast that works for their business. Now, one more thing before we dive into the content, if you head over to valamedia.com, you'll be able to see we've just put up a new resource, which is the 11 pillars of a highly profitable podcast. Now, in that resource, you'll be able to have a look at all the elements we think at Valamedia are essential to having a profitable and successful podcast. So without any further ado, let's hit into this conversation with Angela. There's so many great points for you to look forward to and enjoy in this episode. Welcome to the show, Angela Henderson. How are you doing? Hello, hello. How are you going, hon? I'm doing well. I'm uh, pretty keen to uh, get into this episode because you have been absolutely uh, impressing me all morning. I've been diving into your podcast and straight off the bat, I think you actually put some of the best solo episodes together that I've come across. So I think it's going to be a great conversation. Well, I'm super excited to be here and I'll take that as a very lovely compliment. I don't blush often, so I'll try and hide the blushing. So no, thanks so much, Charlie. I really appreciate that. I don't give out that compliment lightly either, but before we dig into it, what I thought would be great for some context and for the listeners of this show is first, could you just introduce what you do as a business and then talk, tell us a little bit about your podcast? Sure. Yep. So currently I am a business consultant and coach working with women in business in the online space to really work with them to get the clarity and strategy and systems they need to grow sustainable and profitable businesses. Far too often the women that I work with come to me and they've got a business kind of like the book, The Three Little Pigs, which you're going to start reading very shortly with your own little on here, Charlie, is, um, is it's like they have a house made of hay and a house made of sticks, aka their businesses. And they come to me and their businesses are structurally there, but it wouldn't take months for things 
things to start collapsing. So I then go back, we get really clear, we create the strategy, and then we start to build the foundational elements that are necessary to grow those sustainable and profitable businesses. And yeah, I'm lucky enough to do that through my one-to-one consulting. I also have my uh, 12-month group coaching program, and I also run Australia's leading four-day, three-night women in business retreat every year. So that's a little bit about the business side. And in regards to the podcast, my podcast is called Business and Life Conversations with Angela Henderson. I think we dropped episode 60, so it's been going for 67 weeks, and it's been one of the best things that I've been able to bring to the business. And really, we focus not only on business, that's probably about 80%, but I also have some pretty um, meaningful conversations that are necessary around mental health, for example, depression, anxiety, burnout, because I think these are things um, that are obviously, uh, there's a stigma around those in Australia, for example, and technically anywhere in the world. And it's also something that I think that, you know, goes hand in hand with our burnout here in Australia and around the world with entrepreneurs in general. So yeah, business and life conversations. It's really interesting these days. I think it's fascinating. I would almost consider mental health conversations to be a part of business now. I think it's something vital to bring to the conversation because I have seen many business owners and seen this become an epidemic, especially in the business scene, as they take on a lot of stress and burden in growing a business. Like mental health can definitely pop its head out from there. So I think it's great you're bringing those through. So, you know, I think it's super super important because in Australia, for example, eight people take their life every single day eight people, you know, you, you times it by 365 days, you look at anywhere on average about that 2,900 to 3,200 people take their lives every single year just in Australia. So uh, I think the more stressors, especially in the infancy stages of starting your own business, when you're trying to be the juggler of doing everything because you don't have a lot of cash flow or you're bootstrapping your business, that the pressure's there, you know, potential of marital breakdown, disconnect with your children, financial burden, it starts off as stress, then you get a little bit of burnout. And then unfortunately, if you don't nip that in the butt, that's when you get those full-blown diagnoses. So yeah, I think it's super important. Definitely. So I wanted to ask, what led you to start a podcast? Listen, you've seen me speak at James's event at Superfast Business, and we've just been talking for probably about 20 minutes before we even get this, uh, we started here today. So to me, human connection is really one of the number one reasons why I started to do what I do. It's quite lonely being here in your office a lot of times, you, your floor walls, your computer. I mean, technology is great, but it was another way for me just to have really rich and juicy conversations with some amazing people from around the world. Uh, Also, to me, it was looking at that long-term strategy about how my ideal client are consuming information. And when I surveyed them, they uh, blogging was still number one for the core of my audience, but um, podcasting was coming up a second, even though the majority of my audience is Australian. So for me, it made sense to get in while I could. Podcasting is still such a beautiful platform. I still think it's in the infancy stages here in Australia anyways. I know Americans have grasped it a lot more. But to me, it was about being able to connect with people and secondly, being able to look at this, uh, providing information and strengthening those relationships with my ideal client, which then leads into my long-term strategy of being able to help more women in business to succeed. I definitely think you're suited to podcasting. I was very fortunate to see, as you mentioned, see you speak at James's event and um, you're quite personable. You're definitely someone that can carry a conversation well and express points well. So it seems like a natural transition to you to be able to do the podcasting meaning. However, what I think is really interesting there is that you went an extra step and actually surveyed who you want to work with and your audience to see how they consumed media. And then Mm -hmm. you kind of leveraged it in off that 
I'm not sure many people who start a podcast often think about that, about how their audience consumes their medium and if it will be an ideal fit. Maybe, you know, as you said, there's plenty of other ways people could consume content, perhaps blogging, but I think that's a really vital step. So the next question I wanted to ask you then is you are in what I would call the expert market. You're in offering an expertise and coaching and consulting through many various things there. How does your podcast play a role in the business? And I want to use an example. Is the podcast uh, a front end of your business where you're using it to perhaps generate leads or is it something where you're maybe using it as more of a nurturing uh, before someone becomes a client or the third and lucky last one here, is it something you're using just to deepen your relationships with clients? I would say it's a combination of the second and the third one really to me is People, I mean, you can't just ask for sex. You just don't go to a bar and you say to someone like, hey, buddy, I don't know your name and let's just go have sex. You have to like nurture people. You have to go like, you know, hey, this is what I do and this is what my name is and here's my credibility. And, you know, it's like on, if you're dating, you might ask someone for their telephone number and then you might text them and then you might offer them to take them out on a date. So to me, it's all about nurturing the individuals. Um, and then also it's by nurturing those individuals, people are going to start to choose if they like me and vibe with me or they not. So it's also part of that pre-qualifying people who do like me enough to then want to work with me because I'm not everyone's cup of tea and I'm okay with that. So for me, it's definitely that nurturing part is, is predominantly what I like to do. And like I said, it's not just about nurturing those clients through that ongoing journey. It's, it's about the connections that I get to make and that's equally part of the nurturing process. So it's kind of a two-praying approach that I look at it because when I can nurture relationships with those individuals that come on my podcast and I give back and I add value in their lives just as much as they do for me is then I'm going to be able to tap into their networks of people and therefore it's a much longer and a bigger strategy for my overall business. Oh, you tapped into so many things there we could go deeper on. I want to make sure we cover these because I feel like there's nuggets falling everywhere at the moment, Angela. Mm -hmm. So let, let's look at that a little bit more depth here. And pardon me, uh, my voice is a little bit croaky at the moment. But you said something really interesting about almost seeing using it as a tool to see if people vibe with you or not. And that's actually one of the main reasons I started this podcast is I wanted to demonstrate how we go about podcasting so that people would see, are we the right fit for them or are we not the right fit for them? So it's almost treating the podcast like a filter. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm curious because you've been doing in business for a while. Have you seen that come through? Have you seen that people are mentioning or referencing the podcast prior to coming to work with you and it's been an effective filter or do you find that it hasn't necessarily filled that role? No, it's absolutely filled that role. So one of my questions that I ask when we pre-qualify people for our discovery call is, you know, how did you find out about us, et cetera? And they said, they'll go podcast. So then when I get them on the call and I'm chatting with them, people say things like, I couldn't afford you at the beginning, but you've been my virtual mentor for the last six months. And then I finally realized I no longer needed a virtual mentor and coach, I needed you. Or Angela, you're my you're my little bit of inspiration hit every you know every Wednesday when I'm driving to work, and it's because you've given me that inspiration that I've now cut my hours back to be working in corporate, and then they've come and joined my group coaching program, right? So it's definitely I'm started a filter. I wouldn't say again. I look at podcasting as a long term strategy. I look at pretty much I look at everything I do as long term strategy. I don't believe in quick wins and quick fixes in business. And I would say it takes them roughly on, on the stats that we've looked at about four and a half months for them to eventually then book into a discovery call. Now, some people will freak out and go, that's very long. But remember, I've got a higher ticket product. So people are signing me for a six month commitment at $6,000. So 
I need a much longer runway than if I was offering a $97 product where they wouldn't really, the risk isn't as high for them. So again, yeah, we're definitely seeing uh, that now come to, to blossom. Well, that's amazing. You've got that data that four and a half months someone is spending with you before they potentially become a client. Mm -hmm. Um, I really think that podcasting is one of the only mediums that allows you to nurture people for that long. I think that would be quite difficult to do with maybe blogging or just social media posts alone. I think, again, it's it's about marrying it up, right? So, for example, and I know we may talk about this later too, is that I also then bring them over into my Facebook community. So, obviously, I only release one podcast episode every Wednesday, and so they might want a little bit more of me throughout the week. And so, I bring them into my Facebook community. And because I'm able to bring them into my Facebook community, I then have multiple touch points, my team and I throughout the week. So I'm still solidifying and um, continually nurturing that relationship post the weekly episode. You definitely did manage to pick on a topic I wanted to bring up later, but let's dive into that right now since we've made it topical. So someone's spending four and a half months with you. And what's interesting is you found a strategy or a way to create, I suppose, multiple touch points or an omnipresence with them. Can you share a little bit more about how you're doing that past just the Facebook group? Because I know you're up to other things. I did a bit of a look around. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. So typically what happens is in the podcast is I will then also, I sponsor my own podcast for now because I don't have, you know, people bringing down on the doors and, and I still haven't, I don't know how I would uh, work the uh, a sponsored post into it at the moment. I did work with Netflix as one of the top 30 bloggers before here in Australia uh, Wolves, uh, Coles, you know, and a variety of other international brands on my blog, but not on the podcast. So it was actually Amy Porterfield. I heard one on her blog one t- or on her podcast one time say something like, "This episode is sponsored by my masterclass." And I was like, "Hold on a minute." Well, that's an aha moment because if she can do that, I can do that. And I was like, "Well, there's no reason why I shouldn't start to filter people into." which is my on-demand masterclass. So there's a bunch of different ways I do it. So at the beginning of the podcast, I sponsored and said, this um, this podcast is sponsored by my uh, ultimate four-step framework masterclass, 60-minute masterclass. And I talk a little bit about that. So I can start to bring people into that funnel. Or at the end of my podcast, I can start to bring people into my Facebook group funnel. And when they then go to my Facebook group, there's three questions that Facebook allows me to ask. And they can be any questions that you want. And I ask them, what are they struggling with? Do they have a business? What are they struggling with? And do you want to stay up to date with all my latest blogs, podcasts, etc.? And then I can get their email. And I do that all through automation. But what happens is, is by telling them telling me what they're struggling with, I then am able to then create podcasts or get guests on the podcast to then give them what they're struggling with to help them solve those problems. Two, I then am able to get their email and then I put them into a nurture sequence and that's all done automatically. Um, so yeah, through automation. So yes, yeah, so I've got different uh, funnels going through that podcast. That's really fascinating. You're actually using it as a feedback tool as well. And mm-hmm. I've seen many podcasters bring Facebook groups in synergy with their podcast. And I think mm-hmm. that is a winning strategy. I'm curious, how have you found the matchup between the two? Do you see a lot of people listening to the podcast coming into the group and perhaps creating engagement or talking about the podcast itself? Not necessarily. I wouldn't say that they can. Uh, I mean, there's still the dribbles that will come in there, but and not everyone is super active. And then there's others that are active. So, but I don't have a Facebook group that's specifically for the podcast. I do know a lot of podcasters do that. They just have it and they discuss each episode type of thing. 
I've done this more as a collective is that I've got so many different things that are going on that I wanted to just have one core base. Um, yeah, but people will come and say, oh, great podcast, or uh, I listen to Angel's latest podcast episode, but it's not the core focus of the group. So it seems the main outcomes you get then are probably one, feedback on what you can make content on or mm-hmm. episodes you may create on your podcast. And then two is you're actually building your email list from it as well. Absolutely. So I want to be able to take them from listening to me virtually and being able to get them onto the list because I still believe regardless of what people say in my experience, the email list is still a beautiful thing. As as you know, our dear friend James Shremko talks about owning your own race course with Facebook's algorithms, with, with Instagram algorithms, with everything that's going on, you can't be dependent on other people in order to have your platform. So by getting them in your email, you still are going to be able to have touch points with them regardless if you lose everything else. Absolutely. And I want to make sure I articulate or recap this well. So from a perspective of your show and how you're perhaps taking people who are listeners and over that journey for four and a half months, number one, you know, once people start listening to the podcast in your intro, you're being the sponsor of your own show where you're uh, promoting a training or some type of video where they can engage with you further, which I'm going to assume you're also building your list on that. There's an opt-in or something there. They must sign up for the webinar and then they get a different funnel for that. That's correct. Sensational. And then on the other side, at the end of your episode, you're actually leading people to a Facebook group, although the Facebook group is only part of the outcome there. You're using it to collect feedback Mm -hmm. and then you're also uh, actually building your email list off that. So you've got like a dual thing going on in different ways to nurture people through that time and bring them onto your email list, which I think is incredibly powerful. And the reason I'm, I suppose, recapping this is I, I, I think this is an absolute winner idea. I think mm-hmm. this is something a lot of experts could benefit with. In my own shows, this is what we've done. We very much lean into the intro. I think the intro is one of the most powerful segments for building your list or um, perhaps taking people to a next step with working with you. But I love how you've broken that down. I can actually see that there's things I should perhaps improve on my own show. Maybe we'll see a Facebook group on the end of this episode, uh, Angela. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So that's a really interesting way of moving people from the podcast into your email list or business. But I'm curious now, how are you getting people to the podcast itself? How are you drawing new listeners in? Mm-hmm. Yep. So as most of, you know, the majority of people have podcasts, obviously we then send the information out to the guests and then some of them share it very beautifully. Others don't. But so we're not dependent on the guests to share it. We then also have it in our newsletter that goes out every week. I also do quite a lot over on Instagram uh, stories because Instagram stories are a huge, beautiful tool that seems to be working relatively well for us. Um, In addition to that, I then will do a Facebook Live into my Facebook group talking about that latest podcast. I will also then share that as a link into the uh, Facebook group also. And then, yeah, and then we share in a variety of other Facebook groups too. So it's like a constant kind of ecosystem that we're building. It sounds like you've kind of stacked up a lot of things there. Is this a system you've developed over time and are you trying things continually? So, yeah, so I just thought if we're going to grow the podcast, you have to be, it's a numbers game. Everything we do is a numbers game. So the more visible we can be, the better. So, yes, yeah, so I have my team then work with me and then they'll go and post different in different areas for me. So, yes, yeah, so it's just an ongoing, again, it's I, I look at the bigger picture. So, yes, if you just focus on Facebook, it's going to be limited. But if you go to Instagram and LinkedIn and ask your guests and share it in your newsletter, it's now getting filtered to as many uh, people. It's like uh, octopus arms and the tentacles are going everywhere. It's funny. That's actually how I think of it because mm-hmm. um, 
I tell you right, I'm a paid ads guy. Like going back, that's what I did in my first agency. And what I loved about that is, you know, to use a metaphor here, it was kind of like using a garden tap. You could just open it up or turn it down. And, you know, it was fantastic. If the numbers worked, you had complete control. Podcasting, on the other hand, is like a crazy sprinkler. It's like there's arms, to use your analogy, octopus arms going everywhere. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm curious here. I, I want to share what's working for me at the moment and what I've seen doing well. And then yeah. I'm, I want to know if it matches up with these are your best performance. So I'm going to go with number one that's been working really well for me is stories. I think stories in general has been a really good performer. I've been teasing episodes, so we'll actually take a photo at some point and I'll let people know that this episode is coming soon. Um, That's worked really well from continually driving people to podcast episodes and, of course, posting the day new episodes are out. Number two is I've actually been playing with short snippets. I've been, uh, like we will for this episode, I'll make some key talking points or perhaps talk about probably your Facebook group strategy will be a snippet. Um, and for anyone, if my team is watching this, this is where the snippet should be. Um, <laughs> but using short snippets on LinkedIn has been really, really powerful for us as well. And then thirdly, and overwhelmingly, Facebook still seems to be a key player, particularly in the groups, as you mentioned there. So are they kind of where your top three are lining up at the moment? I would say, yeah, we haven't dabbled into Instagram because my ideal client ultimately isn't over on Instagram, but uh, sorry, Instagram, LinkedIn, sorry. So my, I kind of focus on the Facebook and Instagram and newsletter platform, but LinkedIn, absolutely. If your core client is over there, definitely hit that up. I, again, what we're looking at for 2020 will be is incorporating LinkedIn because even though my ideal client isn't over on LinkedIn, those other bigger players that I potentially want to either, you know, be a sponsor at my retreat or have those bigger kind of conversations, the credibility will definitely be added to that. The other one that we're looking at, as we talked prior to this conversation, is I want to break into the US market. So I've got some speaking events happening over there and some things like that. But Americans love Pinterest and Pinterest is used, people think that it was just about pinning for weddings and you know, snack ideas for kids, all right? But really, Pinterest has grown so much more than that. It's the search engine, you know, is predominantly what they're utilizing it for now. And if you go over there just for me as a business coach, people are like, but you're a business coach. There are so many things that people are utilizing because they're utilizing um, keywords in order to be able to give the audience what they want. So we've got a big Pinterest strategy that we're just in the preparations preparing now, and then we'll roll out for 2020 because, again, uh, the United States, huge market that we're, we're not tapping into. So let's go a little bit deeper there. When I must say I'm not familiar with Pinterest. I haven't spent any time on there and I won't pretend to uh, to have any form of insight. Mm -hmm. But what I'm curious about here, are you seeing Pinterest as a platform for you to perhaps share your podcast uh, and enter people into that nurture sequence? Or is this a place where you were going to share different content and perhaps lead people to the email list or to the podcast? No, so we'll be leading. So again, what happens is with Pinterest, and again, I'm not an expert. I know enough to get me started and I'm now hiring experts to take that over. But each piece of content, you turn it into three other content items. And what I mean by that is you've got three different templates that you use. You'll use three different headers, but it's all one piece of content. Because one header might appeal to one person, whereas another header might get someone else's attention, kind of like your snippets that you're talking about, but from an auditory point of view with you. 
And then their keyword saturated. So for example, women in business, business coach, business planner, whatever it is. And then we're going to use those templates to then also distribute our podcast. So it will be, I think we've got 182 pieces of content that we need to then repurpose into three separate pieces. So we're in the middle of our teams getting all the templates done and all the headers done so that we can hand it over to the expert and then they'll start to build everything for us. So we'll be doing both podcasts and we'll be also doing the like our blogs and what we're doing is we're not going to have pinterest when they land on an image and say it's your podcast image i just did when to niche or not to niche when they click on that the link that i'm going to be bringing them back to is my website i'm not going to be taking them to apple i want them to come to websites so that with my facebook pixel if i choose to then pixel later on for facebook ads i've got that data already happening over on my page. So everything will go back to my website to help them to start to again to build that ecosystem. So they start to see me in a variety of different spaces. That's really fascinating. I'd love to recap on that briefly. So when we are talking about Pinterest content, it's predominantly images is my understanding. Mm -hmm. And within that, we're using keyword rich terms as well. So Mm -hmm. people that are, as you mentioned, it's a search tool. So maybe business coach might be there. From that actual post on Pinterest, we're going to be creating something of value, I dare say. The content itself will be valuable, but then linking back to our website and bringing people to our podcast and ecosystem that exists on our site from there. Yeah, pretty much. So all it is, is you get the main image. People then click on the image. You get like a little snippet about what that image is about and how people can do it. And then Pinterest, people just, you kind of know you then click and then it takes you straight to the source of where they can download that or et cetera. So for us, we're going to be increasing a lot of our, we call them content upgrades. So things that people can then download to get and get them into the email system. But again, if they're on their website, you probably already have an opt-in on your homepage. You've got, you know, your podcast sitting there, you've got your work with me button, you've got your join your Facebook group, like everything is there. And then they can start to choose where they see themselves within your, your own ecosystem. So yeah, so it's about bringing them back Yes, the podcast, yes, but not to Apple or Spotify. Our main goal is to bring them back to the website so they can see everything and then they choose what's most valuable for them. It's really interesting. A lot of these platforms like Spotify or Apple um, haven't done us any favors at all. They really, really haven't. They've actually made life very hard for podcasters with sharing links. So, for example, you know, Apple wants us to take it to Apple Spotify wants us to take it to Spotify. It sounds like by using your website as the ecosystem and letting people self-select, you're kind of removing that as an issue, not to mention getting remarketing and all kinds of better tracking. Is that the intent or workaround you've looked to create there? 100%. And then also just in addition that Facebook, the pixel sits on my website. I don't have the Facebook pixel anywhere else. So it doesn't help me to send them in that particular instance. I, uh, it's still, how do I send it? There's still always a bonus. Yes, I could send them straight to the podcast and they're still going to hear the podcast, but that's one that's one benefit, I guess. Whereas if I can bring them to the website, I get multiple benefits, such as again, I get the pixel, they get to choose what they want and I potentially then get them on my email list. So to me, it's uh, I'm looking at it as a more holistic approach and, and yes, definitely the workaround. It's interesting. As this conversation progresses, something I'm finding insightful here is I think you do an awesome job at kind of stirring the opportunity pot. And I'll I'll elaborate because that's a very broad term. But it's, (laughs) it's interesting that, you know, in your podcast episode, you've got multiple ways. So whether it's your webinar or your Facebook group, like you've got multiple opportunities for someone to do more with you in that. It's not one straight line. 
Mm-hmm. Then when it comes to promotion, again, we're spreading out. We've got those octopus signs. There's opportunities everywhere to create people to find your podcast and develop that relationship with you. And then even talking about uh, Pinterest here, you're not just going, well, we're going to post just to get people to podcast episodes. Mm-hmm. Or we're just going to bring people onto the email list. You're really creating a broad range of ways for people to engage with you depending on where they're at. I think mm-hmm. that's a, a very unique thing that not a lot of businesses are doing, particularly with their podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I try and just think about where that person who I need to help is sitting. And so often I think uh, I see a lot of people try and force things onto people, whereas I'm a firm believer is that you need to meet people where they're at in their journey and everyone's at different spots in their journey. So I just try to give people different opportunities to still get what they want and for me to still be able to service them um, as their coach or my group coaching program, or even if it's just free content. My goal is still just to help as many women as I can. And if that means through my free content and that's all they ever do, that's okay because I'll get the other people that want to take the next step. It's the fact is I'm still, um, yeah, I'm looking at that bigger impact across the board. Sensational. And I, I really like the perspective and you know your numbers well that if someone's going to come with you for that four and a half months, getting more people into that cycle just increases your odds as well of turning people into clients, which I think is great. Now, I want to shift up the conversation here because you've done something that I'm very passionate about. You have done something from here and I, I want to express this with a little bit of a story here. Something I see really commonly is people will start a podcast and they'll continually bring guests on their podcast And, you know, they might ask really great questions, but for the entirety of their show, all they do is make other people look good. They continually make and promote other people. They never add any value in and they're never able to bring up the topics within their podcast that their audience would like to hear from them and to offer their own value and bring in uh, work for their business. The cure to this or something someone can do is to potentially do solo episodes. This is episodes where they span an entire episode on their own and actually take 20 minutes with someone to talk about the things they want to talk about and help people understand why they may want to work with them. Now, I noticed when I was scanning through your podcast this morning and digging into some of your episodes, you actually execute this strategy really well. You bring in a mix of guests and you also bring in a mix of solo episodes. So the first question I'll ask there, and I know this is a long question to go into (laughs) from there, but is that the reason you do a mix of solo and guest episodes? 100% is at the beginning, I thought all guest, guest, guest. And then I thought, hold on a minute. If this is a long-term business strategy for me, why am I not in the equation? So I just was like, hold on, well, I've got an enormous you know, a decade worth of information from my first business to this business that I could be adding there and really streamlining and showcasing my authority as a business consultant and coach. Um, so yeah, so I just was like, well, well, screw it, really, this is my show, so I'm going to do some solo episodes, and that's what we did. And I've just started, uh, Michelle's episode releases next week, so we've now also started to integrate case studies in there, because I think it's one thing that I haven't been doing, and you'll see a lot more, not a lot, but like sprinkled throughout every eight weeks, maybe one or two case studies, because I think it's important, and that actually came back from feedback, not just because I needed to do it and wanted to do it, is when I asked a few people, I surveyed about uh, 50 people, I think, that came through, and one of this, what they said was, I don't really get the what you do. Like, how how do you do this really well? I would love to hear how you walk through. Uh, what is what does a typical session look like when you're working with one of your one to ones? What does a group coaching session look like? Because again, you don't know what you don't know. And I was like, well, that's great feedback. And so yeah, so we've started to introduce the case studies, which will go drop next week. Our first one. Well, that's exciting. And I, you know, 
in this conversation already is like you are collecting that feedback and using it well, but it just makes sense. If people are engaging with you and getting to know you and they like what you're about, it you know, to understand what you do in more depth via the podcast just seems like the natural next steps. It really mm-hmm. does. So I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that's come through or that's going to be coming through from there. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people get nervous, like, oh my goodness, it's just me. Are going to people want to listen to me? And I just say, if you, if you can do a podcast, then you can, you can talk, right? Like you pretty much, like you can still do it. And so, but there's a lot of blocks that come up for people. Like they think that it has to only be guests and then they'll avoid it. You know, I just say, just do it. Like what's the worst case that happens? Just don't pub, don't, don't publish the podcast. Right. But what's the best thing is you start to build your trust, your credibility, your authority and your own brand, uh, which is only going to lead to greater things. I couldn't agree with that point more. And what's interesting though, it's really fascinating. I've come across people where they are a great interviewer. They're actually someone who can work with the guest well. And maybe it's the having it booked in with someone else. They've just got to do it. There's an accountability factor to guests. But when they do a solo episode, they fall apart. They ramble, they veer topics. The episode just goes in directions it probably shouldn't have. Now, as I mentioned at the start of this show, I think you've actually navigated this brilliantly. I listened to one of your solo episodes this morning. I felt you kept on topic and kept the information on point and precise and useful the whole way through. So how do you prepare for a solo episode? How are you putting that together? Do not say off the cuff. Do not say no, 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 no. <laughs> I was going to actually say that my solo episodes take me more work than my guest episodes do. And it's because I need, I am very much a rambler and a talker and I can just talk about everything. So for me is it's very structured. Like I will have entire, pretty much the script will be written. So I put an enormous amount of work into that because I need to be able to bring the listener from the beginning to the middle and to the end of the story and to be able to showcase exactly what they need so they can take away what they need and that it's helpful. If not, I actually then risk uh, damaging my brand and damaging my podcast. So I actually spend more time on an eight minute or 10 minute solo episode than I typically do in a guest episode. That's a really interesting insight. It would have been heartbreaking if you said, no, that's just me. Because <laughs> no, we, we can't no, help the no. listeners with that. <laughs> nope. Sorry, sorry to break it to you. It's definitely more planned and more detailed. So yes. So let's, let's go a touch deeper on that. Let's say someone's uh, joined your Facebook group and they've left you feedback on saying, I'd love to see a topic on X. Mm-hmm. You're getting that feedback and you go, hang on, this is a topic I want to cover myself. This is one for a solo episode. I'm not going to bring in a guest for this. How are you scripting that out or putting structure to that solo episode? Are you um, literally scripting it out and, re- and holding some sort of framework in front of you? Or is it just maybe some key points you want to make sure you cover? No, I, I treat it. Um, so for example, a lot of people, one of the biggest questions I get asked is to niche or not to niche, right? And so I was like, well, this seems to be an ongoing question that keeps coming back in that what I'm struggling with type of scenario. So that well, this I can totally crank this out. But the way I do it is, uh, as I was trained in my own blogging is there's no point just throwing a blog up on your website unless it's SEO optimized and formatted correctly with headers and meta descriptors and all that. So I know it's a lot of jargon there. But pretty much what I do is just like I would write how do I send it like a story? I literally start, what is the beginning? So I do my intro. What is the middle? Well, what am I teaching them? And I literally do, okay, dot point to niche or not to niche. And now I look at niching as two different elements. Like you've got survival mode when you first start off and then you got your transitional type of mode. And so I talk about that. And then I talk about how could they niche. So I give them some tips on what they can do to work away. And then I wrap it up with a conclusion. So I'm very much quite detailed about, it's like when you used to write essays for uni or when you were in high school, it's, you need that beginning, the middle and the end. And that's pretty much how I scripted out. Sensational. 
One thing I've been playing with at the moment, I'm a really big fan of Russell Brunson. I won't hide that at all. Just I love what he's done and he's such a likable person, which is probably intentional from his marketing. But nonetheless, I think his webinar framework or how he puts together webinars, which he highlights in his book, I think he calls Expert Secrets. I actually think that's a really good starting point for a lot of people as well, where he kind of lays out you know, a, a story at the start, the epiphany story or the epiphany bridge, as he calls it. And then he goes into three main teaching points from there. So a little bit of a discernment, but it's amazing how many of the frameworks or things we can take from other places like webinars or in your case, essays or how you formatted other things and bring that into creating our own show. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it doesn't, like I said, once I get the, once I had the hang of it, I was like, oh yeah, this is just like what I do with my blog. So and I was like, it was, it's much easier. It still takes me a lot of time, but it's still easy because I've just gone, yep, boom, here's my beginning. Boom. Here's my middle te- with these are the primary teaching points. What do I need to talk about? And then let's wrap it up in a conclusion. So yeah. Sensational. Well, Angela, our time is drawing to a close here. Where can people go to find out more about what you do and tune into your podcast? So yes, uh, head to AngelaHenderson.com.au. And then from there, again, you got your opportunities to listen to the podcast, read the blog, look at my webinar, you know, go to the Facebook community. So yeah, just head to AngelaHenderson.com.au. Thank you once again. And guys, if anything, I would encourage you to go check out Angela's ecosystem. As I said, I think she's doing a phenomenal job at making all the pieces connect and stirring that opportunity pot. So big thank you one more time, Angela. I've really enjoyed this conversation. This has been another episode of the Business of Podcasting. 